Georgia. No, not that Georgia, the other one. This time we're bringing you the story of an innovative new training program that's happening in Georgia and what the war in Ukraine has to do with making it possible. Welcome to The Learning Hack, a podcast about the people and technologies that are creating the future of learning. I'm John Helmer. Now guess what? Learning is cool. Learning is cool. Learning is cool. I'm learning. Learning is fun. Knowledge is power. Knowledge. Education. Recently, I ran into Tracy Capaldi-Jewett, an old friend of mine, and I asked him what he'd been up to. The way you do, you know, making conversation. Only the story he told me about a new programme he'd been working on for diplomats in Georgia was just so interesting and out of the ordinary that I knew at once we had to get him on the podcast to talk about it. Now, usually this is the time where we'd get Kate Fitzgerald, our head of fact, to introduce this episode's guest. But Tracy does a pretty good job of that himself in the interview. So instead, Kate is going to do a bit of scene setting. Kate, tell us about Georgia. Hack facts. Georgia is located in the Caucasus at the intersection of Eastern Europe and Western Asia. It is bounded by the Black Sea to the west, by Russia to the north and east, by Turkey to the southwest, by Armenia to the south and by Azerbaijan to the southeast. The country has a population of 3.7 million people, excluding the Russian-occupied Georgian territories. In modern times, Georgia has had a turbulent history. After gaining independence from the Soviet Union in 1991, there followed a civil war, the Rose Revolution, and a new pro-Western stance leading to war with Russia, which still occupies parts of the country. The earliest evidence of wine to date has been found in Georgia, where 8,000-year-old wine jars were uncovered. So, Jay Curtis, Head of Themes. What did we talk about? Mostly, your discussion with Tracy took the form of a case study of the programme his company, ICPS, is delivering for the Georgia Foreign Service, from design to implementation and measurement. But the project has an interesting genesis against the background of the war in Ukraine, and what could be characterised as the EU's soft power interests in the region. ICPS is an international organisation, but much of the SME input for this programme came from senior British civil servants and SPADs. One of the more interesting sidelights to emerge from this discussion for me was the surprising parallels that emerged between Georgia reaching out to the Western world for trade links and the UK also looking to forge new trade relationships in the shadow of Brexit. In that sense, it began to seem less about a more affluent and stable polity, i.e. the UK, teaching the Georgian diplomats how to do trade deals, something a bit more Socratic, more of a compare and contrast exercise, perhaps. Whatever you make of this fascinating story, I think you'll agree that this was certainly not your average leadership programme. So welcome to The Learning Hack, Tracy. You've got an interesting story to tell us about your programme with Georgia's Foreign Service. But first of all, can you fill us in a bit on the organisation you work for and your role there? Yeah, thank you, John. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, the executive director at the International Centre for Parliamentary Studies. Um, It's an interesting organisation. It's a a global training organisation that serves individuals and organisations who are involved in public service. And these tend to be governments, agencies, NGOs, and also some in the charity sector. Uh, And the focus 
on helping to improve policy making and, and uh, uh, public administration and also parliamentary and electoral processes. Um, we're not a huge organisation, but we are based in the UK, Europe, uh, in Mauritius and also in the USA. So an uh, international organisation focused on what kinds of people do you train and what do you train them in? Okay, um, so we, we, we tend to train um, parlamentarians, um, civil, high level civil servants, um, and really the top, uh, top tier in organisations who are, are looking to, to improve uh, the life for citizens in the countries that they operate. And is that done mostly face to face or digital or? Uh, well, historically, prior to the, the pandemic, uh, it was primarily our face to face delivery, um, whether that be in country or whether that be uh, learners traveling from the globe uh, to attend our courses run in the UK uh, or in the US or in Europe. Um, however, uh, that has now predominantly delivered virtually um, with a mix of activities with some uh, further digital support activities which we have brought in since the pandemic. So big changes in your business model or at least your, your kind of working methods. Yeah, very much so, John, very much so. Uh, somewhat imposed in the sense it was a little bit of a sink or swim situation because uh, it was a yeah, huge yeah. change for us. Um, but we were very early into migrating our business model to a virtual delivery uh, approach. What we have found, which has been incredibly interesting, is that because we we looked very carefully at the design of our programs based on the medium we were now having to deliver by rather than just trying to put something online is so because we designed to, to virtual delivery we found that the evaluation of our courses by learners um, has been equal to in some cases better than the face-to-face -face delivery oh that's an interesting one mm. yes because i think there is a perception always in in the general public that online training is inherently not so good as face-to-face -face. but you're oh. saying you're getting better you're getting better marks now yeah abso absolutely um it, it, but i think it's been key in terms of thinking about how we designed the the the, the events themselves uh, recognizing of reducing screen fatigue with lots of breaks, lots of different types of interaction exercises, making sure that you can really try and emulate the key things that work so well in the classroom in terms of sort of breakouts. Um, and that's really down to the, the sort of the design rather than just simply the, the use of the technology. So let's get into the particular program we're talking about today um, and we'll tease out the detail of what you do more kind of through through that I think mm -hmm. so this particular program uh, took today took place in Georgia mm -hmm. people will be aware of the country's recent history perhaps um, secession from the Soviet Union in 1991 uh, perhaps less people will know about the Rose Revolution in uh, 2003 uh, followed by strongly pro-western foreign policy which led to worsening relationships with Russia 
culminating in the Russo-Georgian War in um, 2008 and Russia still occupying parts of the country to this day. Now, I, I, I took the precaution of um, reading up on Wikipedia about the, the history of Georgia in the, in the last uh, few decades, and it is much more complicated than that. Um, <laughs> a, a country that's been subject to a lot of unheaval, uh, upheaval and going back over the centuries as well. It, it doesn't necessarily have the kind of stability in its government that that we do, which is mm. interesting if you're kind of training people in in, in government and in, mm. in governing. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you give us a bit of background on the country that's relevant to the learning needs that drove the project, perhaps? You know, situate the program within the country of Georgia. Yeah, I, I thought hard about this, this, this kind of area, John. In, in a sense, I, I hope I'm answering um uh, the right way in relation to this but i think it's important to, to note first of all that the, the training element of this project was just one component of an of an interconnected cycle of promoting trade relations and supporting georgia's economic uh, development and this was funded by the eu um and and part of the the, the, the rest of this program was looking at um uh, enhancing the production of uh, sort of knowledge-based marketing, boosting standards to strengthen the country's brand overall. Um, and and th- the second thing that I thought was important to, to, to bring out here was that um, though we were de- delivering a, a, a training component uh, and the event was titled Economic Diplomacy, Trade and Investment, it's really the economic diplomacy perspective which I think is perhaps the most key, particularly in relation to your 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 question about the the country itself. So the country is uh, comparatively small; it's a population of close to three point seven million individuals, um, and the 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 government offices overseas, the embassies overseas, they have no um, designated economic offices abroad. Therefore. For Georgia, the economic diplomacy aspect is really, really important. So in other words, working with other governments and agencies from other countries to help with trade arrangements um, is key for the functions of their embassies as they stand. Therefore, it was seen that ICPS's experience both in trade and investment, but perhaps more importantly, in governmental diplomacy and its ability to deliver training to over 30 global occasions was essential. The training gave the embassy staff kind of tools and ideas for better connecting local companies with international buyers. And on this point about um, the economic diplomacy being the kind of real key thing uh, of the overall training programme, um, I picked up one of the takeaways from one of the learners uh, on the programme who was uh, uh, in the embassy in the Czech Republic. Um, and th- what they kind of flagged was the saying is that the, the resources that were available to them in the embassies working more closely with Czech Georgian chambers of commerce and increasing their networks of cooperating with partners outside uh, of Prague to boost and reach uh, other equally important regions in the Czech Republic was facilitated by the training intervention that we produced for them. So again, talking about the aspect of it was being able to work with other countries to help promote the trade and investment opportunities for Georgia. Okay, so 
Let's focus on the learners a bit. Part of the reason I wanted to cover this on the podcast is because mm-hmm. looking at cases like this really broadens our sense of what we're talking about when we're talking mm-hmm. about learning. I think it, it's too often there are people talking in very abstract terms about learning and about training. And I think they, they tend to imagine a knowledge worker in an organization, perhaps in in uh, London or a, a, or a US city, yeah. um, doing something in a, in a sector we, we all know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a much wider thing than this. And, and when we kind of focus on um, programs like this, we just see the, the, the diversity. So I'm interested in the, in the kind of particularities of this situation and how they worked in this program. Um, long-winded question I'm afraid I'm famous for them tell us about the learners yeah okay um, well as I flagged ostensibly um, that the, the, the learners um, were from embassies across the world in fact it was 80 individuals from in 30 different countries um, working within embassies uh, who are looking to promote trade and investment opportunities for Georgia. However, it's, because it's a small country, uh, they don't have a dedicated trade and investment teams within those embassies. So it's really a mixture of individuals within the embassies, uh, all different kind of roles and responsibilities, um, all different levels of experience, um and expertise and seniority so we had some individuals on the training with the actual the ambassadors themselves so it was a very very mixed group um uh, all with different touch points in relation to uh, conversations networks and opportunities promoting georgia but not as a dedicated uh, uh, trade and investment team which ostensibly larger countries will have in their embassies yeah, so they wear a lot of hats. Um, there's yeah. it's mixed ability t- teaching, yeah. so to speak. There are lots of different levels of seniority, um, yeah. and and that 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 would be very different to what you might find in say the British civil service, where people are quite specialised, aren't they? Correct, John. Correct. Uh, another little additional point, which was quite key as part of the program, because of this mixed group of which we only were touching 80 um, with the programme, is that we also uh, in, developed for them um, a, uh, uh, an ability for them to continue the training and cascade it uh, to the other individuals within the embassies. Um, and we did that by accrediting some of the ministry's trainers to continue delivering the programme to ensure there was sustainability uh, of the, of the learning uh, th- throughout uh, uh, the the next few years. So let's get into more about the solution you designed yeah. um, for them, um, and and obviously sustainability comes in kind of a, mm-hmm. as an end part of that. I suppose. What was the mix of technology and human delivery? Give us the broad lines of the solution. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, And yes, you're absolutely right. It was a mix. Um, So, as we say, we had 80 individuals across 30 countries who we were to touch with this training program initially. Um, And we did that through the delivery of five virtual programs. So these were delivered in time zones to cater for the learners uh, across the globe. 
delivered in a very compressed period of time. Um, we then had two e events which were for training the ministry's trainers. Uh, uh, and all the learners were then requested to undertake an assignment, uh, which was a mixture of drafting new strategies for trade and development, uh, tr trade and development and investment, uh, um, along with a, a multi-choice regarding um, the best practice approaches that had been undertaken within the training. So quite a significant amount of work post the training event uh, um, was, was, was then uh, uh, requested of the learners. And these assignments, were they um, with, with these pieces of work which would actually be used in practice or was it kind of theoretical? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's really key, which I think might cover a little later on talking about evaluation on how important these assignments were. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely, John. Um, then beyond that is that we also because of the seniority of some of the audience who and the general re strategy responsibility they would have for trade and investment from their embassy is that we also provided virtual one-to-one -one coaching as well for certain individuals over and above the the program um, we also had the course accredited by a professional body uh, and that was with the Institute of Leadership and Management, uh, because we wanted to ensure that over and above the quality of the programme as a measure, um, we wanted to also assist with in incentivising the learners through a continued professional development uh, uh, aspect of the course, which they could include in their portfolio. And that was part of the sustainability. Correct. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not included in the project, but also um, something which we are looking to offer to them, uh, and we're in conversations with uh, the Ministry on that, is further access to the International Centre of Parliamentary Studies library of supportive e-learning materials um, to help again with the sustainability. Could you talk a bit about the, the SME input? Who were the, the, the experts that you brought to bear on this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had uh, our, our, our training design and delivery team uh, were made up of uh, two lead trainers. Uh, and both of those lead trainers um, had significant practitioner experience uh, within trading investment. In fact, the lead, the, the, the lead trainer was uh, the ex-CEO of UK Trading Investment, uh, also a uh, human resources director at what was the Department of Trade and Industry. Um, and over and above the two trainers, we also uh, brought in guest speakers um, who had worked extensively with embassies around the world also personally targeted with developing trade and investment opportunities for over 40 years. So ostensibly the learning experience was a mix of, of real strong theoretical and practical experience uh, in the topic, but also uh, some hands-on kind of war stories uh, in relation to 
how that would affect them individually when they are trying to achieve the trade and investment targets set by the ministry. And presumably this was, some of that would be delivered in a kind of uh, confidential, non-attributable basis so that people could actually get the real story, not just the press release, as it were. Absolutely, yeah. So so there's very much Chatham House rules in relation to certain aspects okay. of the delivery of the programme uh, when we had the, uh, 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 the guest speakers. Yeah, I should imagine there are, you know, very large areas of confidentiality in this. You know, there's a, uh, there's a popular supposition that all diplomats are actually spies. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I necessarily hold, but I've heard this said. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on, but but no, yeah, in yeah. all seriousness, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's it, it is a very sensitive kind of area, um, and and therefore. Um, really important that we give the we gave the learners the opportunity um, to really talk openly. Can you talk a bit about the technology uh, in particular? Was this all virtual classroom? Did you use uh, an LMS? Uh, yeah, um, no. So this was delivered virtu- on virtual classrooms. Uh, um, it was a mixture of Zoom and also Teams, just dependent on access for those particular groups. Um, but we also delivered the uh, um, post-course activity, so that's the assignments from um, the, the ICPS platform. Um, so that was delivered uh, similarly to a, a, an LMS. The Learning Hack podcast is supported by Learning News, the learning sector's newswire. Rob and his team are good friends of the podcast, and we really value the help and advice we've had from them, and they do a great job. For the very latest news from around the learning sector, for interviews with learning leaders, the latest from learning sector vendors and features on workplace learning, go to learningnews.com. In the struggle against the forgetting curve that learning people are engaged in every day, there are no magic formulas, but there is science. For well over a century, psychologists have known that the spacing effect unlocks deep learning and helps learners power through to peak performance. And yet who uses it, despite the fact that modern learning systems like LXPs make it almost easy? I've written a white paper with Learning Pool that shows how you can use the spacing effect to beat the forgetting curve. Download it now. So you'll notice from the sequence of these questions, I've written many case studies because the questions uh, kind of fall into that form. And the the next thing that's always, uh, you know, it's similarly with award submissions, I I have to say. Uh, So the next question is, what challenges did the programme throw up that are specific to this highly individual set of circumstances? And how did you overcome them? Yeah. Okay. Similarly, uh, as being involved in, in, in so many training programs over the years, um, you know, I could go through all the challenges that a training provider who would be delivering such a program w- would have. Um, however, there was one unique challenge for this program. Um, the program delivery started in February of this year. Considering the geographical location, 
and the uncertainty facing all staff in relation to what started in February of this year, it couldn't have been a worse time to overst to start the programme. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they're talking about uh, the Ukraine. Uh, so yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so suddenly, um, an incredibly busy group of individuals were even more busy and also more difficult to contact. Um, so we had a real concern that we would be uh, um, not reaching uh, the audience because they just would not be available. However, we, we went ahead with the program um, and to overcome uh, this, 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 uh, uh, this challenge uh, really was a, an exercise in scheduling, rescheduling and rescheduling learners again from event to event um, just to make sure that they could undertake the program in the most flexible way possible. Um, so there was a huge amount of administration making sure that learners who could, who were originally scheduled on an event who then couldn't turn up for that event or could only turn up for one day or half a day, we rescheduled and rescheduled. But the key was the flexibility of the trainers to be able to bring coherence to the experience of each of the learners based on how they were uh, um, uh, scheduled onto these events. Okay, so let's talk about the measurement of the programme. Let's get into your Kirkpatrick's. Um, how <laughs> was and is the success of the project to be measured? Yeah, okay. Uh, measurement was key both in terms of the EU who funded the project as well as the rest of the project stakeholders. Um, and we employed two approaches in relation to uh, evaluation. Um, the first is now complete which is a post-course survey. Um, uh, and that was kind of level one, fairly standard, and that was completed. Uh, and within that actually is that we've been surprised at how um, uh, positive and uh, uh, um, above the kind of average that we were expecting in relation to the scoring on the programme. Um, but then there is also a second level uh, uh, um, post-course survey which is going to be conducted in six months time uh, and this is designed particularly to try and establish the application of what was learned in the workplace okay however um, going back to your point earlier on John when you were talking about the assignments um, and the application of the assignments that's really really the key part of that second part of the survey because uh, what we are looking to do there is to um, make a, a connection between the, the, the survey, the, sorry, the assignment work that has been created and what the, the, the learners were asked to do was to create a new strategic plan on how they would be promoting a trade and investment for Georgia based on the, the trade targets set for the embassies. So there'll be a direct correlation between the performance of those embassies in relation to their trade and investment attraction uh, versus the new strategic plans that each individual has created as part of the assignment for the programme. So that will be a, a, a real kind of litmus test uh, in relation to the practical success of this programme. 
So there is uh, an element of measurement of transfer into performance, as it were. In, Correct. In quite a strong element by the sound of it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. very, very strong. Uh, So what does this program have to tell us about learning in this type of context? Um, I mean, obviously it touches a number of bases. It, it's, it's got an element of leadership there within a political context. Mm -hmm. um, there's the element of face-to-face -face versus digital, digital transformation happening very quickly within your company. Mm -hmm. But also something we haven't really touched on is the kind of specific qualities that the particular organization you're in bring to this you know i'm not necessarily asking you to do a marketing spiel about this but but the kind of positioning of um you know the brit george has had an incredibly tumultuous history not just in the last few decades but going back mm -hmm. centuries um it, britain's had a great deal of uh, uh stability and we had a revolution in the 17th century and by mm -hmm. and large you know, like the glorious revolution, perhaps, um, things have, have, have stayed pretty stable here. Do, does that give us a particular ability to pass on kind of processes and norms to people doing a similar job uh, around the world who, who may not have had that kind of continuity and chance to kind of build a culture and so on? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm slightly putting words into your mouth here, but... I think that's a, it's a really interesting point. And to a degree, to a degree, I would concur with that. However, um, I think that the, the real success of the programme, or at least the success of the engagement with the audience, um, was based on the practical experience of the trainers and the guest speakers. Um, and 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 the guest speakers weren't uh, uh, ostensibly necessarily UK based, um, so it was really about talking about you know what is best practice from a global perspective, and 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 also is how was that practically applied on the ground, irrespective of what nationality you are. Um, so I think that, that so it was a, a mixture of both, really, I think, John, it was that it was, yes, there were certain things which which quite clearly the audience felt that uh, a UK perspective was a good one, um, but also the practicality of how things were done for other uh, um, people in the position of those embassy staff, again, irrespective of their nationality. I could also point out that, you know, without getting too heavily into contentious territory, um, as a, a company that is <clears throat> having to kind of go out to the world to make trade negotiations mm -hmm. following a, a, a kind of political change, we're slightly in a similar position, you know, post-Brexit, that you, you have kind of um, the British equivalents of these people will be going out trying to negotiate trade agreements around the world now that we're no longer part of the EU. Was there a bit of compare and contrast going on there, do you think? Uh, abs absolutely. Um, very, very much so. And again, a very interesting point is uh, uh, last week is that I had the pleasure of being at the uh, um, the uh, the awards ceremony in relation to this training event. Uh, and within the audience, 
uh, of that ceremony uh, were individuals from the British Embassy, <laughs> um, who ostensibly had just been there in relation to setting trade relationships with uh, with Georgia. Um, so I think there was an absolute uh, 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 um, similarity in relation to the, the, the situation facing them. Before I get onto the last question, I've got another question to ask, which is, can you tell us more about the future of the programme now? What is going to happen now with this programme? Yeah, OK. Um, as you may recall, John, is I talked about the fact that we'd built a capacity for continuing the training with a train-the-trainer uh, uh, programme. Um, so as far as the, 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 the funding into this project by the EU, not just for the training, but for all of the investment activities to be supporting Georgia for trade and investment, uh, that has a finite period. Um, and therefore, it was really, really important that in all aspects of the of the programme, including the training, that there was a, a, a ability for Georgia to continue uh, developing uh, its people in relation to uh, uh, it and its position in relation to trade investment. So to answer your question, looking forward from the training perspective is that we will continue to support um, the individuals who have now been trained to deliver the programme on an ongoing basis outside of the project. But the view is that they will then roll out a programme, a continuing programme of development uh, for not just the 80 individuals, but all the embassy staff uh, in promoting trade uh, uh, based on the, the capacity they now have for training the trainer. We also, as you had also uh, uh, responded, is given the facility for um, learners to become members of a professional body, uh, and the accredited training that they undertake with gives them membership of the Institute of Leadership and Management to continue their professional development. And we have continued that license capability going forward. So beyond our our time working with uh, uh, with Georgia uh, is that they the Georgians will be able to also uh, provide membership to this professional body to, to, to learners going forward. Um, and then finally, I think that the, the the assignments and the creation of the strategies for each embassy to be uh, 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 trying to meet the, the, the targets requested uh, for trading and deve development um, by the ministry um, will be an ongoing process. Um, but now they have a greater capability to reflect uh, on those strategies and 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 uh, adapt uh, uh, according to the situation that they find. So I think it's really quite positive from a, a longer term perspective. Um, uh, the, and, and, and I think that's uh, uh, been one of the big uh, 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 takeaways uh, from the, the stakeholders on the project. Tracy, you and I have some history. We've worked um, in a couple of companies together. Um, you've been my boss and my client. Uh, but can you fill in some of your own personal background for me and for the listeners? Uh, and I'm going to ask you, what drew you to learning in the first place? How did you get involved with it? How did you get into the profession? And what's your been, been your career progression to date? 
Yeah. Okay. Yes, John, we've known each other quite some time. Um, actually, starting with uh, my band supporting your band years ago back in Brighton. Um, oh, but, God. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but but like many, I've reflected on many things during the pandemic. So your question is one I had been thinking about just generally, to be honest. Um I think by chance I found myself working for a management consultancy way back in 1989 um, and they had an aspiration to scale their expertise uh, and say so it was just purely by chance that I found myself uh, in that organisation um, and it wasn't training per se that had interested me and kept me there for quite some time but more importantly it was having an impact. Um, but once I'd, I was in the training environment, I was hooked. Uh, so then I've worked on, I've worked in content development organisations. I've worked in learning management system companies. Uh, and I've worked in managed service organisations where the scale of solutions was quite mind blowing. Um, uh, you know, and that was uh, providing huge projects uh, to, to, to governments. Uh, so. It, that's really kind of made quite a, 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 an impact on me. And I suppose really now that I'm uh, uh, where I am now, the International Centre of Parliamentary Studies, uh, it goes back to that, that, that premise of really making an impact. Because the, the, what we do at ICPS now is, is, is helping governments create better policy, therefore improving the lives of citizens. Uh, and I can't think of a better place to be, <laughs> to be honest, in base of that. So so it really goes back to where I kind of started making an impact. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, and 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 that is so much connected with being able to help uh, people's development. It's a very diplomatic answer in that you're naming no names there, but I, we will put your link to your, to your to your LinkedIn profile and people can look at the names of the companies there. Which I think it's very interesting. You've covered the whole, you know, such a wide from kind of micro learning to um, publisher platforms at, at Semantico and at, yeah. as you say, managed services at Capita, Knowledge Pool and so on. I, I, I think that you've just had such an interesting career and I'm so glad that we bumped into each other so many times um, during that career and mm -hmm. I'd especially like to thank you for taking the time today. Thanks a lot, Chase. My pleasure, John. My pleasure. That's all on the Learning Hack podcast for this time. Many thanks to Tracy and to our sponsors, Learning Pool. The Learning Hack is completely independent and transparently funded by sponsorship. If you want to help others find us, please like, follow, rate, review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice or on YouTube. Next time, we're going to be talking about jobs, more specifically, your job as a learning professional. In the age of the great resignation, what is happening in the labour market to affect you and your career? Nick Jones has the answers. Stay curious, learning people. Now I finally get it.